Good morning, everybody. Thanks for being with us today, and we are rejoicing over our closing program, being able to come to the end of our week of Vacation Bible School. Um, as Pastor Phil said, it's been kind of a dream to have a theme like this, and I still rejoice over the fact that we can have an emphasis in Idaho, uh, where you can have an outdoor theme and actually have things like hiking and hunting and camping and survival and fishing and have that as a theme, I think it's a great thing. And to use all those things to point people to Christ is a pleasure and a joy, and it's exciting to see how God brought everything together. And Pastor Phil already thanked uh, so many for their part. Uh, I have to take a moment here and say, though, it's a uh, it's, uh, I, I hear different people, and we'll talk about this at our testimony service some, hear different people talk about their experience with the Vacation Bible School. And uh, to me, we're not a perfect church, but what I can say is that uh, Fellowship Baptist Church, you guys did a great job serving this week. Uh, we had however many campers there were this week. We had no less than 50 to 75 workers here every day and making things happen and getting it done. And all of that's volunteer labor of people coming in and just serving as God has gifted them. To me, it just underscores something that I've become acquainted with familiar, in a familiar way myself, and that is the genius of God and the design of his church, the filling of his spirit, and the moving in his people to serve. To us, it's a joy to serve the Lord this last week. I mean, there's a lot of things that you could praise God about, and I mean, we can look at the ways that different people served, but really all of this is just, in, in our opinion, the glory of, to the glory of God that he made it happen, and uh, it's a joy. It's a joy to be able to bring people in for the purpose of glorifying God by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So the blessing in that, people have asked, well, how many people were saved? We're, we're slow to make those kinds of statements because we don't know everybody's understanding. We don't know for sure that everybody understood all that we taught them. There were kids that, during the invitation, I think there were kids that went back every day to have another conversation about the gospel. We had a total of 71 conversations about the gospel. And in that, there were people who did accept Christ as their Savior, or at least uh, said that they meant it and said that they had done that. And it's our hope that that is true. But to us, the goal was to have these conversations. And the fact that there were 71 conversations about who Jesus is and about what he's done was really important to do. And all that glory uh, goes to God in making all this happen. And I think you've heard some of the story. Uh, first of all, did you appreciate having the mounts in here and the different animals presented? Uh, I've told people this, uh, but that was, that was one phone call to the first place that we asked. And, uh, and Romero said yes and was willing to let us do that. And uh, I just think that's, that's a big deal that the very first place we called was willing to do that. Some of these mounts in here too are from our church family. And uh, I just, you know, just want to, want to praise that God made all that happen. And uh, there, I mean, really, I could go on and on about, about how God brought our church family together and how we got to serve. So I, I thank the Lord for that. I'm thank, I thank the Lord as I transition here to talking about the service today. I thank the Lord that truth still matters. And I thank the Lord that there is truth in the world, albeit hard to find if you're turning on any kind of news station today. Um, so I'm thanking that Lord that there is truth. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so he says in that verse, it's not just the saying the verse is true, but Jesus is the truth. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that there is truth in the world today. And again, it may be hard for people to recognize it, but there is truth. And, you know, I am glad... As Pastor Phil has already mentioned, I'm glad for the change of the decision in the Supreme Court. And I think uh, our church family ought to have an opportunity to rejoice over this. It's been almost 50 years of this, uh, and it, it's not going to make abortion go away. But I think if you, if you uh, have watched this in history, you need a time as believers who've been praying over this to rejoice over the fact that that decision has been overturned, and I think we can clap for it. So thank God. Thank God for it. And I, I certainly don't mean to bust anybody's bubble, but uh, one of the things of the facts that I read is that when uh, Roe v. Wade was changed back in the day, it didn't change the number of abortions by that much. And abortion is not eradicated no matter what you hear uh, from all the people screaming and yelling. Um, it's still um, something that is available to people today. and still something that we need to educate people about, and that is there's value in life. So it may sound to you this morning if you're visiting that, hey, this pastor dude up there is just going to be talking politics. Let me tell you something about politics. Politics is simply the outworking of the social fabric of your people. And we are a believing people. We believe in God. We believe in the Bible. And we believe that there is truth, and we thank God for it. And so those, do, those values do guide in what we do. But let me give you the, the germane nature of that. The reason we stand for life is because God gives life and every, every child is a gift of God. Every child is a gift of God. We had, um, you know, Pastor Phil, I have to give you the numbers again, but we had maybe our high day was 153. Every one of those little people were in the, were in the womb not too long ago. All those little people have souls. And by the way, at their age, they already know how to be stinkers. <laughs> they know how to be sweet, but they know how to be stinkers too. And uh, it's a joy, to, a joy to work with them. But I look at those children, they're just a blast. They're fun and they're, they, they are valued people. And so are you. And I, I know I, I'm, I'm going to sound political, but it's not political. You know, I find it so odd that we have people you know, screaming and yelling about taking away the rights of women. When that whole group of people has been over the last months and years losing the definition of what a woman is. I mean, how, I'm, I know it doesn't sound, I, I really believe in being gracious. I don't like to be rude and I don't like to be caustic. <clears throat> but what kind of ignorance do you have to be in to where you can't identify what a man is and what a woman is? And, and my point is, if you don't have the Bible, if you don't have the Bible, as your source of truth, you can believe anything. And here's the, here's the thing, you will. You'll make it up as you go, and you'll walk blind through the wilderness. And let me tell you, it, it's no good place to be. That's why there is a Savior. A Savior from this wicked world that doesn't know up from down, doesn't know right from wrong. And doesn't know what it's doing. Now, I, I'm not, I'm not tr again, trying to beat anybody up. I'm just saying there is truth, and his name is Jesus. And that Savior 
has come to give everybody the opportunity to have life. Can your life be taken from you at any moment? Can it? What do you think, David? You think so? Stand up and smile for everybody, David. Stand up, go ahead, turn around. See his face? That's a result of a car accident this week. Is it a car accident? Or did you hit him? What'd you do? No, okay, so praise God he's here. You can sit down. You can give him a round of applause for being here. He was in a car accident this week, no small thing, and and has some broken stuff going on in his body, but still here. Your life can be taken at any moment. And if you're looking for this world to give you answers, you're going to be looking forever. Uh, And you'll be looking in all the wrong places. You know where you need to look? You need to look to this book. You need to look to the person who tells us that this book is true. And again, his name is Jesus. So, what I want to do for you this morning in the short time that we have. Oh, no. There's not a clock up here. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Don't you be offering me your clocks. Cut it out. (laughs) All right. So what I want to do is just take a moment this morning, and I want to, for us as a family, talk about the gospel for a second. Uh, This would be probably considered one of the most basic uh, messages that there could be. But I want to tell you, all the hope that believers in this room have are based on the truths that are in this book. And there's not a person in this room who knows Jesus as their Savior who doesn't own the truth of all these verses. Now, the goodness of God is this. The goodness of God, before I even get to any verses, is that Romans chapter 1 tells us that everybody on the planet knows that there is a God. Now, you may have come to a place where you've rejected that truth, but God has put it in the heart of every last individual to know that he is there. And so, his his statement on that is this. There is no excuse when you stand before God to say, well, I didn't know, because he's impressed it upon every heart, from the wolf in the mountain, to the bears in the mountain, to the the ducks in the water, to your very body, God created it all. And do you know how you know it's true? The haunting truth that everything you're hearing about evolution just does not make sense. The idea that if you just give it more time and more time and more time, somehow magic is going to happen. Look at what time has done to me. (laughs) So if you think it's getting better, uh, you might want a reality check. Uh, So here's the thing, folks. Uh, Again, there's truth, and God has spoken it to your heart. And I'm your friend here, and everybody who knows Jesus as their Savior is your friend. Nobody here is trying to you know, uh, be mean or hateful to you. Our view of love is that we would tell the truth. That's our view of love, that we would want to tell the truth and not a truth simply as we see it. And people often say, well, that's your interpretation. Well, yes, it's my interpretation, but let me tell you how my interpretation works and how every, every believer can be a good Bible student and come to right doctrine. All you'd simply do is compare scripture with scripture. And if you'll compare scripture with scripture, if you will search who Jesus is, you will find him. And you also have the promise of God that you will find him because he's a rewarder, a rewarder of those in Hebrews 11, 6, of those that diligently seek him. So you want to be saved? You can be. You want to be rescued? You can be. You want to come to the light of Jesus? You can. It's an offer for every last person. But the gospel story is pretty basic. It starts with this truth that there is sin in the world and we're part of it. And that 
part of it means that we're not just objects in the world watching sin happen around us. I love the conversation. So uh, one of our counselors was talking to one of the young people, and uh, he said that when he was talking to the young person, he said that they did not believe they were a sinner. So they went to the Bible and showed them verses about how they were a sinner, came to the end of the conversation, he's still not a sinner. <laughs> now, I found it interesting because very often, maybe little boys aren't sinners, but their sisters are, uh, that kind of thing, that kind of thing, maybe. Um, matter of fact, we had a couple fights in vacation Bible school, and that was fun too because that was brother and sister. Uh, that was great. Uh, anyway, so the Bible tells us in Romans 3.10, so if you're going to look at a Bible verse, if you've got a Bible app, look at it, but it says in Romans 3.10, as it is written, that phrase, as it is written, is a reference to the Scriptures. It says, this is what the Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. The basic definition of righteous means right with God. There's nobody right with God. And you'd say, now, wait a second. <laughs> I, I, I'm right with God because I've, I've done good things. I'm a good person. And I, I don't put, you know, I haven't, I haven't uh, murdered anybody or, or robbed a bank or anything. Well, Isaiah 64, 6 is a verse I often go to because there are good things that we do. And the good things that we do, we often look at some spiritual scale that I've got these good things in like that penny offering scale. I've got these good things I'm going to put in that plate. I know I've got some bad things over there, but surely the good things I put in that plate are going to tip that spiritual scale. Did you know the Bible does not talk about a spiritual scale? Did you know that? It's just like people believing that when we die, we're going to become angels. Uh, nope. Not according to the Bible. So you can believe things, but you can believe things that just aren't so. So you need help. I, and by the way, please understand, yes, I'm a preacher, but I'm not any better than you. I need God to show me too. So I'm just sharing with you what the Bible says. Well, how do we know we're not right with God? Isaiah 64, 6 is a great verse. It tells us in that verse, but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as, what's the next words? Say again, all of our righteousnesses are as? Now, that's, that's pretty stark. You're saying all the good things I do are as filthy rags? But not only that, it says, and we all do fade as a, as a leaf. In other words, we're not enduring, we're not going to live forever. <clears throat> and our iniquities, our sins, our transgressions against God, like the wind, have taken us away. And do our transgressions, do our sin take us away from God? Just look at the world around you. I mean, it's <laughs> calling the Bible pro prophetic is uh, an understatement. It reveals where man is and where the heart of man is. Well, what, I want to give you just a, f a flavor of this for a moment. Uh, I always like to explain what Scripture means when it says our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So what is a filthy rag according to the Bible? The word used here for filthy rags was used for two awful illustrations. I'll only give you one. The awful illustration it was used for was for leprosy and the rags that were used to wrap around a leper to um, basically cover their seeping wounds. Now, if you know anything about leprosy, leprosy was highly what? Highly contagious. So much so that when someone was a leper, it was law that they had to call out that they were a leper. They had to avoid people or they would be put to death. It was the idea that they would have no interaction with society. There were leprosy camps. And the idea of the leprosy rag was that that rag would fill up with the pus of the rotting skin. And they would take that rag off. What would they do with that rag? 
they would offer it to no one. They would take it to no stream or lake to wash it and use it again. It was to be burned. And that is the picture that is given of our good things. We're like a leprous rag. It has no redeeming value. You say, well, what's the point of, of being good then? Well, as far as salvation is concerned, none. But I find that even uh, unsaved people, if you live by the word of God, you still find blessing, but it's, but it's not salvation. It's not salvation. So it's a pretty dark message then to realize everybody's a sinner. And, and some people might still hear me this morning thinking, yeah, but that doesn't include me. Well, I'm just going to go through the quick list. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Have you ever been disobedient to God? Have you ever hated someone? Have you ever looked at someone lust upon your heart? All these things, all these things are the indicators of our sin. And they are the things that God will rightly hold to our account to show us why we are not fit for heaven. Now, the gospel message starts with that very dark backdrop, but it says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Who does that include? Just this side? No. <laughs> you know, I listened to somebody the other day trying to t uh, twist the scriptures, and they were talking about the color of their skin and how that they were the right people and these are the right people. I want to tell you that we need to get over this idea of racism because the Bible says that we are all human beings that need a savior. Every one of us, it doesn't matter what your color is, it doesn't matter who you are, you're a sinner needing redeemed. No black, white, uh, whatever color skin you want to call it, it is the factor that God is going to be looking at to say that person's fit for heaven. Every one of us needs a savior. So he says, all is sin and comes short of the glory of God. And what that means is that God is perfect. He is sinless and we are not. And that tells us something else then when we look over at Romans chapter 6, 23. So it's one thing, like kids, it's one thing to be told to a kid, you're a sinner. It's another thing to prove it to them so they begin to understand it. And it's another thing to know that it actually means something. So what does it mean? Well, Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is, who knows it, for the wages of sin is death. Well, what is death? And this is exactly what I told the young people this week. There are two forms of death that the Bible talks of, and it's always a definition of separation. Always separation. So when you die, your soul is separated from your body. That's what physical death is, where your soul is departed from your body. It is now lifeless. That's physical death. But the Bible also speaks of spiritual death. And spiritual death is called the second death. And that second death, and in neither of these definitions does it ever mean cessation of existence. So in other words, there are people that think, well, when I die, it's all just going to be over. No, it's not. Not according to God. Or when, it's di when we die, we're all going to go to the same place. If that was true, you wouldn't have the gospel message. There wouldn't be a need for a savior. There would be no need for a decision to be made while God calls for a decision. We find out about that second death in Revelation chapter 20, and I'm going to take you to Revelation 20 and 21, so if you have your Bibles, go there, and I'm just going to read you a few verses in Revelation 20 and 21, and this is an all-inclusive passage that talks about the state of every person. And I saw, Revelation 20 verse 11, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no, found no place for them. Well, who, who, who can people not hide from? Well, this verse is talking about God. 
And I saw this dead, small and great, stand, as it says here in verse 12, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And it says, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books of life according to their works. And there's some that say, well, there it is, Pastor Jeff. There's the scale. That's not a scale. The dead being judged according to what's in that book are all the deeds that we have ever done. Let me ask you, if we could drop down the screen and show every bad deed and thought you've ever had, would you want to be in the room? Do you want everybody to know that? Did you know that day's coming? Why? God is going to prove to every lost sinner that he is just to not let them in heaven because of their sin. Every blaspheming of God, every shaking their fist in the face of God saying, I don't believe that stuff. This opportunity to hear the gospel in this room, I believe will be present to where there's a heart that says, not me. The dead will be judged out of those books because of their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Now, how can the sea and how can these places give up the dead? Well, they're not gone forever. They have not ceased to exist. It says, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell were delivered, delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man. What does it say? according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the what? The lake of fire. And see, some people might say, well, there it is. There's, there's cessation of existence. Well, that's not what it says. It says, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And then he identifies what I've already told you. And, I'll, and again, if it helps to prove it to you, I'm not making it up. I told you there were two deaths. And they always mean Separation. The first death is the soul, the separation of the soul from the body. The second death is a separation of the soul from God. And this is what the second death is called. It identifies it here and says so. This is the second death. And it says, and whosoever was not found written in that other book. Well, what's that other book? The book of life. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the what? The lake of fire, Revelation 21, verse 8. Who's going to be in that lake of fire? Listen to this list. The fearful. Everybody say these next two words. And unbelieving. It goes on to say, and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. And there it says it again. What's it say out loud with me? Which is the second death. So what we've learned so far is a very, very dark message from the scriptures. The dark message is that Nobody's right with God. Why? Because everybody sinned and everybody deserves separation from God in what the Bible calls the lake of fire. That is what we would call the blackest uh, backdrop of news you could ever hear. And all that sounds really hopeless and really empty. And you leave church and say, well, what a wonderful message that was. But all that backdrop is given so that we can know the brightness of the glory of a Savior who's been given. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 20, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but it goes on to say, those of you who know it can say it with me, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ offers to everyone in this room the opportunity to be saved. And I want to tell you, I tell this exactly. I and mean, please don't get me wrong. Uh, I speak this truth to children, but that's why children can be saved and adults alike. The message is simple. What is a gift? 
I told the kids, if you mowed the lawn and your, per and your parents told you they were going to give you $20, and after you mowed the lawn, they gave you the $20, is that a gift? Some of the kids are saying, $20? You need to talk to my parents. Um, why is it not a gift? Why is, they earned it. They earned their payment. So the Bible tells us that we earn separation from God in the lake of fire because of our sin and our rebellion. Even in that, he says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, how did that happen? Romans 5.8. Romans 5, 8 is how it happened, but God commendeth or demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet or even in our sin, he died for us. He died for anybody who wants to be, he died for everybody that wants to be saved, but he died as a gift to provide for your salvation. Now, how is that? I don't have time this morning to go through all the scriptures that talk about Big doctrinal words like propitiation and sanctification and a redemption in its totality. But all these doctrinal words mean that Jesus took your place on the cross and paid for your sin so that you wouldn't have to. That's the gift. The gift is that he took it for you. He took it for me. He took it for anyone. And by the way, when I say he took it, he took all of the debt of your sin upon himself at the cross. And he didn't only die for you. Again, I marvel at, at the rebellion that we have not to believe. It is one of the most historically and proven and accurate truths in the world that Jesus rose from the dead. It wasn't do done in a corner. It wasn't done in an isolated fashion. It wasn't done where it couldn't be witnessed by others. It wasn't done, I mean, it was done even in the face of others that would say, hey, you know what? He said he was gonna do this. Let's make sure there's no story that happens after this. It could be proven that he actually rose from the dead. There was a sealing of the tomb. There were soldiers and Christ rose from the dead anyway and proved who he was. You wanna know the rebelliousness of man's heart? There is the rebellious of man's heart today would say, prove it. And I would say, he has. Well, I don't believe it. That book was just written by a bunch of men. Well, it ought to say something to you. And by the way, that's a whole other doctrinal conversation we can have. But the fact that there were many witnesses of his resurrection ought to say something to you. Okay? He died to pay for your sin, and now he offers you salvation by placing your faith in him. It's Romans 6.23, once more, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our time is almost done. Well, what does it mean for a gift? A gift is something that I offer to you that you have to receive, and if you don't receive it, you don't get it. Well, if I was God, I, well, again, I wanna say, you know what? Uh, it just, again, proves the rebellion of our heart. We think if we were God, we would have done better. If I was God, I would have done it this way. You know what God and his love has done? He's given you the opportunity to choose to love him. Even better said, he's given you the opportunity to receive his love. Why? Because he loves you first. He loves us while we're sitting there in rebellion and kicking against him and fighting against him. He loves you anyway. And he demonstrated it by dying on the cross for you and rising again. 
The Bible tells us that salvation can be received by any person. We often end the Romans road by going to Romans chapter 10. And I'll take you to those three verses real quickly. It's Romans 10 verses 9, 10, and 13. Verses 9, 10, and 13 in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 tells us something, and I'm going to explain this in a way that I've come to learn it because I think it bears explanation. Romans chapter 10, we have a word called confess, but I think it bears explanation. It says in Romans, 10, uh, Romans 10, chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But what does this confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus mean? I know you're going to have to, now adults, I will tell you, I'm going to tell you something that I don't in explanation always tell the kids exactly this way because it's a deeper concept. The word confess in this passage literally means to say the same thing as. It means to agree. And the illustration that I often go to, it's imagine a kid who's stolen a bike and they're before some kind of a, a, a juvenile court. They're standing before the judge and the judge says, you're here being accused of stealing a bike. Confession is not saying to the judge, I made a mistake. Confession is not saying, well, I kind of messed up. Confession to a judge, whether it's in juvenile court or it's adult court, no matter what it is, confession is saying the same thing as. So confession is, I stole a bike. That's confession. Well, what does it mean then to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus? To confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, I believe, means to agree with what Jesus said about himself and who he is. It means to have a repentance in your heart where you change your mind about Jesus. There's all kinds of minds that need to be changed about Jesus. I don't believe he existed. I believe he was a good person. I believe he was a prophet. I believe he was a good man. I believe that he is a good, a good guy, but he, he's not God. There's all kinds of beliefs. But to confess Jesus is to agree with who he is and agree with who the Bible says he is. And by the way, in this valley, there's all kinds of made-up doctrine about who Jesus is. There is a Jesus of this Bible, and there's a Jesus that people believe in. I've heard people say, well, I don't believe in a God that would send people to hell. Well, you don't believe in the God of this Bible. And I would just make one other correction, uh, and I like the way some people say this. Say, he doesn't send anyone to hell. He lets them choose on their own. <clears throat> but here you are this morning hearing us say, why? <clears throat> why would anybody make that choice? Why would anybody make that choice? <clears throat> now, I had a coughing fit on Friday. I couldn't even finish my message to the first through third grade, so you pray me through this. All right. I've told the good news, and I don't want to cough my way through the rest of the message. I told me you may have to finish. <clears throat> but here's the invitation. In Romans 10, 9, just wait right there because I may be turning it over to you. I may go eat your apple fritters. <laughs> you think I'm struggling. <clears throat> this is really about the apple fritters. <laughs> so in Romans chapter 10, this verse says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Listen, this next part, nobody can do for you. Nobody, nobody. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You have to believe on your own. 
You have to make a decision in this room to trust Jesus with your soul. You either do that and you have life, you either come to Jesus and have life, or you have what the Bible calls the second death. What will you choose? Romans 10.10 tells you this. That's why God didn't make you a robot. And by the way, there's a lot of bad theology in Christianity too. And I know, I know it's deep and it's hard. People get distracted by election and, and covenant theology and all kind of mess. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to beat anybody up. But you cannot take away from the scriptures what it says that everybody must believe on their own. You have got to make a choice. You've got to make a choice. And God will hold you accountable to that choice. That choice is, for with the heart man believes. Now listen to the glory of the gospel. Remember all that, remember all that ugly stuff at the beginning where nobody's right with God? You remember that? Remember the judgment that comes from that? For with the heart man believeth unto what? Now wait a second. <coughs> Appreciate what it says. Get it. For with the heart man believeth unto what? <coughs> so we are made right with God when we believe in Jesus. This is redemption. This is salvation. This is propitiation. This is atonement. This is offered as everlasting life to all who will believe. Well, how do we know? Last verse. Thanks for being there is my security blanket, Pastor Phil. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever, in the nature of these verses, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, you know it, say it, shall be saved, might be saved. No, isn't it funny? Even the slightest change of one word matters. It doesn't say might be saved. I want to tell you folks, now listen, we're a simple church. We believe the Bible. We love, pe we love God. We love people. Our desire this week has been to partner with your families to point your children and mine who are in this too towards Christ. There were kids that came back multiple times insecure about their salvation. That is not a fault. That is not a bad thing. But the Bible is given and the truth of the gospel is given so that everyone in this room can know where you're going when you die. God doesn't want you to simply find out and maybe hope you got it right. He's given you the declaration of the scripture so that you can know. And so the invitation is simply to you this morning across this room. Will you call on Jesus to be your savior? Thank you for letting me take this time to pre present the gospel to you. It matters. It's changed my life. I couldn't be more grateful for God's grace. And his undeserved salvation that he's given to me. I'm no better than anybody on this planet. I've often said, just as a testimony, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be either, either be in jail or dead. But what will you do with Jesus?